Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Louis D'Souza and Steve Rowell. Today is Monday, April the 15th, 2019. Happy Tax Day here in the U.S. I know that's kind of a contradiction in terms, but hopefully you're finding it to be a happy tax day. And uh, we are off to a new start with a new way of doing the show because Quite honestly, I got to the point where two shows a day was more than I could really do. So we're going to do one show a day, and that means we're kind of consolidating all of our co-hosts together. And so Steve is joining Louie and I today on the Monday Morning Podcast, and that's going to be the plan going forward for Monday morning. Um, each, each day we're going to be doing one podcast a day rather than two. Uh, the new schedule will be posted on the homepage very shortly. I, I still have the old one there, but uh, just to give you a quick rundown, it's going to be Monday mornings, Tuesday mornings, Wednesday afternoons, Thursday mornings, and Friday afternoons. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday are the morning shows. Wednesday and Friday are the afternoon shows, and at the times that we've always done them in the past, which is a big relief for me, guys. i got to tell you, because I, as much as I love doing all those podcasts, boy, am I looking forward to having some time back. <laughs> it's not just one hour. I mean, literally, I put in three hours every show, you know, both in the setup and in uh, posting the, the, the published uh, version of the show afterward and in the various publicity things and the social media and so forth. It's like three hours a show. So I just got three hours back. Hooray! <laughs> so, how are you guys doing? You guys having a, a good weekend and all that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I was wondering who was going to go first, Steve or me. So, I think he was wondering the same. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just had a very busy weekend. are you first? <laughs> I'm older. <laughs> You're older, that's what it is. <laughs> He's prettier. Age <laughs> so before beauty. Age <laughs> before beauty, is that what it is? Right, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I had a good good weekend, uh, just very busy. Good to hear. That's How a about you, short Steve? summary. <laughs> that's very short. Yeah, yes. I've, I've had a busy, a busy month so far, to be honest. <laughs> I've been... Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of a lot of things show up that that I've asked to uh, to materialise into my reality this this last few weeks. So it's been it's been very very busy in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, things things are moving forward nicely with money and things that are turning up and uh, new clients and various other things that are going on. But yeah, it's 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 been a good a good couple of weeks, and I apologise for not being able to attend the podcast because I've been in hotels here, there, and everywhere. And, Without internet, and it's been uh, it's been a difficult one for the podcast side of things. Well, but that's right. We survived. That, that's why we have multiples. We have multiple co-hosts, and and that's the one beauty of reducing it from two shows a day to one show a day. Because with all the co-hosts being consolidated down, almost every show now has two co-hosts. So if one person's out, hey, we still got coverage. No big deal. Which is a nice change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I always do find your replacement fault. So. You did. Steve has the world record here on LOA today of number of <laughs> replacements that he has put in. Yes. I mean, he is, he's amazing at that. I mean, Steve, you brought in like, what, half a dozen people so far? It's incredible. Like Something like that. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So it's good stuff. Um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, the article that came out uh, in, what was it, The Globe? I can't remember which newspaper it was uh, in the UK. Has that uh, had more reverberations since that came out? Oh, in the um, the, daily, the Sunday Mirror. Oh, the yes. Mirror is that one? Um, yes. It's 
it's had some impact, yes. Um, so it's it's reached people that it needed to reach, and things have happened, and things are moving right. forward for those people. Now. I can't really say too much about that for legal reasons, but um, yeah, sure. but yeah, sure. yeah. There's, there's there's been an impact. The um, it's it's had its desired effect, and good. things are moving forward in the in the right way, which is good. Um, on a, in all avenues, so with with the uh, the Church of England and with um, the charity stuff and, and the other things that are going on, so it's, it's working really well. Yeah, fantastic, good good stuff. Good yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah, I was telling Louis a little bit about uh, the work you're doing in that area, and and uh, speaking for myself, I, I I just get excited every step of the way with every little advance that happens. <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to hear that you know, positive things are coming out of what was originally a very negative situation. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I think the majority of the majority of people in our field um, tend to have been through some sort of pain or trauma to to get them to where they are, and then be able to then turn that around to help to help other people and, and pass that out. But, you know, give, give back to to others and help them come through the same mm-hmm. same advancements in their life. Really, I think I think that's Absolutely. something that we all we all should share and um, and should be open about, so it can help other people. It's definitely, definitely yeah, okay. worthwhile. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it anyway. That much I know for sure. Yeah, you get a lot of satisfaction. We've had a lot of private conversations where it's really clear to me this is like a passion for you. This is yeah. this is really big. Yeah, that's great. Because passion is what it's all about. And uh, along those lines, Louis, you came up with an interesting idea last week. Um, there's a book that uh, – I don't know, Steve, if you're familiar with this book. This is a book by Richard Bach called Illusions. And it's a book that Louis and I are both fans of. It came out in the mid-1970s, and it was groundbreaking in many, many ways. And Louis said, well, you know, we do a lot of book reviews here on, on LOA Today. Why don't we do illusions? I thought, whoa, what a great idea. So, uh, I mean, Louis, we kind of have we kind of have tossed that around over time, but what made you think about doing illusions now? Was there anything particular or just, oh, this seemed like a good time to do illusions? I don't know. Um <clears throat> You know, if I if I look at Abram Hicks's teachings and I, I look at the one book that was the closest to it and the nicest and the easiest and the shortest, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was Illusions and it comes out hands down. I think it's your most favorite book too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's certainly in the um, top five. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, to me, it could almost be the top one. Um. So yeah. Um. I just thought it'd be great to go through because there's there's so much clarity in it. And, you know, I've given it to people who have sat in a bath and never left the bath and read it all the way through, you know. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning getting out of the bath and like, I've read it now. <laughs> I put it down. Wrinkled <laughs> like a prune. <laughs> all wrinkled and, uh, and dried out. <laughs> But it's true, and and the beauty of illusions is that unlike most books Just in this field, give me a field, second, guys. I need to sort something out. Yeah, go ahead. Unlike most uh, books in the field, this is a told as a fictional story, Steve. It's it's told yeah. as a novel, and that makes yeah, it, no, I, I think, even more special. It. Yeah, it, it's, but it's, 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 it's fabulous because it, it has all of the great the right lessons in it. It it, it, yeah. it really was way way ahead of its time, and yet. It's told as a story, so it has all the engagement of a story, which is wonderful. That's like, to my mind, that's the best way to teach. It's the best way to share information. And he did it so beautifully because I mean, Bach was just a wonderful writer. Is is a wonderful writer. He's still alive and kicking. 
and uh, just has given us some great stuff. He's most famous for the novel Jonathan Livingston Seagull, uh, but Louis, I think you and I would probably agree Illusions is, be- is his best piece of work. Oh, even far, 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 far superior. I mean, when he wrote Illusions, I think he said somewhere, I, I don't know how I could write anything else ever again. This is it. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he was right, you know. <laughs> he hasn't he made anything it. as good as Illusions yet. <laughs> this is true. And he's written some good stuff, but, I mean, that he was has, a pretty high bar. I mean, that was a very high bar. It's not something yeah. you can climb. Easily, no, so not easily, extremely no. impressed. So, so how were you thinking about doing this? Do you want to just kind of go through the book page by page, or how do you want to go about doing it? I hadn't really gone through that that much. Um, so, um, I mean, we could actually go through and just you know kind of read a few pages and talk about it, read a few pages and talk about it. Yeah, why, why don't you just read that first story, um, Walt? You know okay. that first, the first section. Oh yeah. It's it's actually when you look at it in the book, it looks like uh, notebook pages that are kind of smudged with fingerprints and so forth, yeah, like they were actually yeah. they, they were actually used by the person who's telling the story, which is kind of a cool little technique. Um, and it's written in kind of, kind of like Bibleese in a sense because it's got chapters and verses. It has numbered it's chapter one, and then there's verse one, verse two, verse three, which is kind of funny. But um, here's what it says. There was a master come unto the earth, born in the holy land of Indiana, raised Indiana. in the mystical hills of East Fort Wayne, which I have to admit I never knew were mystical, but I'll take his word for it. <laughs> the master learned of this world in the public schools of Indiana, and as he grew in his trade as a mechanic of automobiles. But the master had learnings from other lands and other schools, from other lives that he had lived. He remembered these and, remembering, became wise and strong, so that others saw his strength and came to him for counsel. The master believed that he had power to help himself and all mankind, and as he believed, so it was for him, so that others saw his power and came to him to be healed of their troubles and their many diseases. The master believed that it is well for any man to think upon himself as a son of God, and as he believed, so it was. And the shops and garages where he worked became crowded and jammed with those who sought his learning and his touch, and the streets outside with those who longed only that the shadow of his passing might fall upon them and change their lives. It came to pass, because of the crowds, that the several foremen and shop managers bid the, man, the master to leave his tools and go his way, for so tightly was he thronged that neither he nor the other mechanics had room to work upon the automobiles. And so it was that he went into the countryside, and people following began to call him Messiah and worker of miracles, and as they believed, it was so. If a storm passed as he spoke, not a raindrop touched a listener's head. The last of the multitude heard his words as clearly as the first, no matter lightning nor thunder in the sky about. And always he spoke to them in parables. And he said unto them, Within each of us lies the power of our consent to health and to sickness, to riches and to poverty, to freedom and to slavery. It is we who control these, and not another. A millman smoke, spoke and said, Easy words for you, master, for you are guided as we are not, and need not toil as we toil. A man has to work for his living in this world. The master answered and said, once there lived a village of creatures along the bottom of a great crystal river. The current of the river swept silently over them all, 
young and old, rich and poor, good and evil, the current going its own way, knowing only its own crystal self. Each creature, in its own manner, clung tightly to the twigs and rocks of the river bottom, for clinging was their way of life, and resisting the current, what each had learned from birth. But one creature said at last, I am tired of clinging. Though I cannot see it with my eyes, I trust that the current knows where it is going. I shall let go and let it take me where it will. Clinging, I shall die of boredom. The other creatures laughed out, said, Fool, let go, and that current you worship will throw you tumbled and smashed across the rocks, and you will die quicker than boredom. But the one heeded them not, and taking a breath, did let go, and at once was tumbled and smashed by the current across the rocks. And yet in time, as the creature refused to cling again, the current lifted him free from the bottom, and he was bruised and hurt no more. And the creatures downstream, to whom he was a stranger, cried, See a miracle! A creature like ourselves, yet he flies! See the Messiah come to save us all! And the one carried in the current said, I am no more Messiah than you. The river delights to lift us free, if only we dare let go. Our true work is this voyage, this adventure. But they cried the more, Savior! All the while clinging to the rocks, and when they looked, looked again, he was gone, and they were left alone, making legends of a savior. And it came to pass, when he saw that the multitude thronged him the more, day on day, tighter and closer and fiercer than ever before, when he saw that they pressed him to heal them without rest, and feed them with always, feed them always with his miracles, to learn for them, and to live their lives, then he went alone that day unto a hilltop apart, and there he prayed. And he said in his heart, Infinite radiant is, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Let me lay aside this impossible task. I cannot live the life of one other soul, yet ten thousand cry to me for life. I'm sorry I allowed it all to happen. If it be thy will, let me go back to my engines and my tools, and let me live as other men. And a voice spoke to him on the hilltop, a voice neither male nor female, loud nor soft, a voice infinitely kind, and the voice said unto him, Not my will, but thine be done. For what is thy will is mine for thee. Go thy way as other men, and be thou happy on the earth. And hearing, the master was glad, and gave thanks, and came down from the hilltop, humming a little mechanic's song. And when the throng pressed him with its woes, beseeching him to heal for it, and learn for it, and feed it nonstop from his understanding, and to entertain it with his wonders, he smiled upon the multitude and said pleasantly unto them, I quit. For a moment the multitude was stricken dumb with astonishment. And he said unto them, If a man told God that he wanted most of all to help the suffering world, no matter the price to himself, and God answered and told him what he must do, should the man do as he is told? Of course, master, cried the many. It should be the pleasure for him to suffer the tortures of hell itself, should God ask it. No matter what these tortures, no matter how difficult the task. Honor to be hanged, glory to be nailed to a tree, and buried it, if so be that God has asked, they said. And what would you do, the master said unto the multitude, if God spoke directly to your face and said, I command that you be happy in the world as long as you live, what would you do then? And the multitude was silent. Not a voice, 
Not a sound was heard upon the hillsides, across the valleys where they stood. And the Master said unto the silence, In the path of our happiness shall we find the learning for which we have chosen this lifetime. And so it is that I have learned this day, and choose to leave you now to walk your own path, as you please. And he went his way through the crowds, and left them, and returned to the everyday world of men and machines. I love that chapter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's worth reading. It's worth It really is. Yeah. Do you know what do you what? think, Steve? I haven't, I haven't read that book, but that last that last few paragraphs just there yeah. is is basically what we've well, how I feel I've had my awakening. Because for the majority of our lives as human beings, I feel that we are most of the time we are living up to other people's expectations of us and what we think mm. we are supposed to be doing rather than choosing to take control of our own lives and follow our passions and our dreams. So that's 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 brilliant. I like that. That, that really that fits well with what we talk about. It's good, yeah. yeah. You, you can see why this book sold tens of millions of copies. I mean, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we were looking online the other day, and his, his new follow-up version of uh, Illusions already sold 66 million. Yeah, uh, really. Uh, and, and yeah. it's not uh, from 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 looking at the comments. It's 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 uh, it doesn't quite. Uh, it's not as good as the Illusions. So, mm. um, you know, it's an incredible incredible book. It's short. It's easy. Um, and I, I see Shireen here said, I'm in the middle of a health crisis and I'm on meds and bipolar depressed. And it's live in this conversation that we're having at the moment. So I thought we might just address it quickly. Yeah. Two, uh, two and a half years uh, and my doctor tells me that I cannot set a withdrawal plan because I'm not stable. Um, please tell me what to do. I'm deeply depressed and have panic attacks most of the time. <clears throat> that leaves me lifeless and numb. So, who would like to tackle that first? Because we can we can build it into illusion. So 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 let, let's just say this is this is what I think is the crux of that little story at the moment. So he goes to God and he sits down. And he says, "Hey God, um, infinite radiant is is a much better word than God. I like it." Um, <laughs> <laughs> he goes to infinite radiant is and he says, "Hey." What, what 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 do I what do I do? I, I'm I'm tired of looking after all this crowd, and you know they're not really appreciating me, and they just want me to give them things. So uh, what do I do? And he says, I'm not my will, but your will be done. You know, what? That's not what the church teaches you, is it? It says um, <laughs> God's will is what's right, not your will. You can't have your own will. So um, when, when I want to answer Sharon here, I, I wanted to understand, you know, that. What is your will? Your will is not to be depressed. Your will is not to have panic attacks. Your will is to follow the rocket of desire of what you want. Now, why aren't you allowing it? That would be the question. <clears throat> and how can you allow it? So, you know, there's, there's many, many answers to that. But it's important to understand one thing is that it says also in illusions there that you create your wellness and you create your sickness. Now, Few people I know that are depressed and really down and all the rest of it take 100% responsibility for their situation. They don't. They want to blame others. They, 
you want to blame the medication, the doctors, the friends, the situation they're living in, the et cetera, et cetera. So you know how empowering it is to start saying, hey, I created all this shit. And because I created it, of course, now I can fix it. Yes, so indeed. that's the exciting thing yes. to me is that, you know, you now come to that point where you say, my gosh, you know, if I'm creating this, this, this stuff, how am I creating it? Okay, I'm creating it with my thoughts. My gosh, nobody told me that I'm creating all this rubbish with my thoughts. And <laughs> thoughts are broken up between two places, wanted and unwanted. So am I focused more on what I don't want or focus more on what I want? Okay, I'm focused more on what I don't want. Okay, so if I'm way down here on the scale, Shireen, then you want to look to go a little bit higher. So you, if you look at the emotional scale that Abram Hicks puts out there, the next one above depression is revenge. Okay. So when you get into revenge, it's a huge relief and release from depression when you go from revenge to, to, to um, revenge. And from revenge, you move up again. We don't recommend you stay in revenge. You move we don't up recommend to... that you actually use revenge and say, I'm going to take revenge out. We're just saying get through the feeling part. <laughs> Feel it and move through it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, you're acting out the depression. So, you yeah. I can't quite see a big problem with acting out some of the revenge. Ideally not. Ideally not. But, um, you know, sometimes I get a bit revengeful. <laughs> Dad, do what I say. <laughs> get on with it. Um, so, yeah, go on, sorry, carry on. And, and then from, from rage, you want to go to anger, and from anger to frustration, frustration to I don't care, and from I don't care to hope. But, not recommending, Shireen, that you jump to happiness, because you can't. Because when you're that far in the vicinity of the problem, you're nowhere near the solution, okay? So the nearest vibrational increase for you would be would, would be revenge. So, um, And again, you could skip that one depending on where you're at. It could be rage. It could be um, anger. So, you know, it's all for you to see where you can step forward, but it's it's a much lighter and easier step just to go up the emotional scale than to jump into something like happiness because it's just too far away. And I say the same thing again and again, and I give the same recommendation, but I think many people need to hear the same idea again. And, um, you know, in Illusions, he's uh, pointing out there that, you know, you create your sickness, you create your your, your health, so... If you do that and you know you're doing that with your thinking, you're not wanting to find subjects that, 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 that are exciting you, that make you happy and stick on them. Even if you stick on them for longer than 14 seconds, the universal law of attraction is going to make them bigger. So go and think of something that you love and you know, put all, all your depression aside and just think, I'm just going to think of something I'm going to love for a little while, just 14 seconds, okay? And that's it. So then when you do that, the law, universal law of a attraction amplifies something. It raises your vibration. Then you can look back at your problem and see it from such a clearer angle. And it's well, well worth it. So change the subject is, a, is another biggie. Change the subject to something you love. And there's always something or someone you love in your life. Uh, because if it was all depression and negativity, you'd be dead. It's the way it is. Um, so, you know, you'll find it. You'll you look for it, you find it, and you can slowly move forward. I, I hope that helps, but we can continue with um, illusions unless anybody else has got more to say. I'm sure you guys have got something to say there. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. What do you got? You've hit the nail on the head with the, 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 the fact that she can't go straight from 
the state she's in, which is depression straight to happiness. Because I think we talked about this before, well, haven't we, where you've got to, I call it micro-shifting. So you micro-shift your, um, your emotional state and your subconscious thoughts that obviously then create the, the negative feelings that she's getting. Um, so it's about catching those thoughts, like you said, and changing them to think about something that's positive, that's loving, that's, I don't know, something nice that makes her feel happy. Um, and gradually changing that, and each time she does that, then celebrating it to make that more conducive to her subconscious and getting her subconscious mind used to doing that um, so that eventually it becomes habitual. And then it gradually then it's, it's moved up to the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's just those tiny micro steps up towards where she actually wants to be that suddenly add up into this massive leap eventually. And I think that's that's what people tend to... Um, tend to forget and they try to do everything all at once, fail and then stay back and then go back to where they were, rather than taking manageable steps and making small changes in order to get to that end goal of um, of being happy and no longer in that depressive state. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, the, the, the Abraham Hicks emotional guidance scale is fantastic because you can, you can use it to only shift, you know, a minuscule amount away from depression into, I don't know, jealousy, hatred, whatever they are, which, whichever one you want to choose that's, that feels right at that point in time. And you've made, even though it doesn't feel like you've made a massive a massive leap, it doesn't feel like you've made a big impression, but actually you have because you've changed your vibrational energy, you've changed it inside yourself, you've helped your subconscious mind feel something different. So it's actually a really big step that you can take just by taking those manageable little micro shifts. And I think that's... That's something that we don't get taught in, in, well, especially not by doctors, and we certainly don't get taught it in education. And um, it's something that's really, really important for people's mental health. Yeah, they they can't teach it because it'll do them out of a job, isn't it? No. That's all brilliant, guys. I love that. And, and I, I want to add just, I want to add one more thought before, um, I forget about it here because I, my mind can be a sieve sometimes. So <laughs> I want to make sure I get it in here. Um, and that is when you're, I'll when you're for facing your limitations and they are yours. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to throw daggers my way. <laughs> but we are doing no, illusions. <laughs> the illusions of the mind. <laughs> But on the other hand, carpe diem, so I'm going to spring forward anyway. Um, so the only point that I wanted to make is that uh, when, when you're first faced with this idea of climbing that emotional scale, it can seem a little bit overwhelming, um, and it's not really clear where to start. I mean, like Louis said, you start by reaching for revenge, but revenge about what is kind of like when you're in that depressed state, it's like your mind isn't really working clearly. So what I recommend as a way to get started is you've, you've done a brilliant job of explaining everything that's going wrong and what, what you don't want to have happen. What you hadn't really done is explain what you want to have happen. So start with that. What do you want instead of what you've got right now? You've got all this misery going on. But in, until you actually state it, until you actually say, this is where I want to go, you're going to have trouble taking that first step. Once you state it, though, once you say, I want to feel better, I want to be healthy. When you start stating things like that, then it becomes much clearer which direction to go. And now it becomes a lot easier and quicker to go through 
the revenge state, the hatred state, the anger state, all those different states climbing the scale until you finally get up into you know the the boredom, the I don't care, and then finally into hope. That's how you get started. You get started by focusing on what you want. And, and really, it's kind of implicit in what you were saying, but it helps so much to say it outright, to just make it clear. So I yeah, want to make sure I, I got that in there. I think my daughter's example is great because I've taught her about, uh, and the, what, the word I use for it is rocket of desire. Yeah. So she calls the law of attraction teaching that I teach her, she calls it the rocket of desire. She doesn't call it anything else which I love. I think it's cool. great. <laughs> so she, she's known to always help those, those children at school that are crying or depressed or got any problems. And teachers commented on many times and she'll go up to them and she'll, she'll, we, she'll ring out of them what the rocket of desire is. And she, and she'll ask them again and again, what do you want? And you know, what would be better? What, you know, and then, and then when they get to think about it, she starts talking about it and amplifying it. And, um, and and then they turn around. They manage to turn, make the shift. At that age, it's it's much easier. So, so yeah, um, rocket of desire. Love the wording. Absolutely love the wording. Um, <laughs> and, and that really helps. So, uh, yeah. Illusion. So what do we want to say about chapter one? I mean, chapter one kind of sets the tone for the rest of the book. Um, it, it, it's like the preamble, if you will, to the actual story. But uh, it's, it's cool. I mean, I've never seen anything like that in a book before where it was written in, in quasi-scriptural form and also told a story that 100% resonated with me. And when I first read this, I remember what my reaction was. I don't know what yours was, Louis, but my first reaction when I read this was, I can't believe I'm reading this. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe somebody's actually got the nerve. And this is, bear in mind, this is the 1970s, which here in the U.S. in particular was a very traumatic <laughs> time period with a lot of craziness going on. Mm. And to have somebody actually utter sanity, it was almost unrecognizable. But I didn't recognize it. It's like, yeah, I want more. <laughs> so, you know, the thing that, that struck me first and foremost um, about this was and that I felt good about it. Mm. There's no part of the book from beginning to end that I didn't feel good. Now, understanding Abram Hicks, I understand that my higher self was lapping this up and saying, this is good stuff, this is good stuff, this is good stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I just felt good reading the book. Yeah. So now that I'm consciously aware that your emotions are your guidance system, um, I'm looking back at it and I'm realizing why I love the book so much and why didn't I pick up that my higher self was giving me guidance and saying, you're heading in the right direction. This is good stuff. Follow it. It's good. Good. Because <laughs> I, I suppose there's, there's bits in it when he starts walking in water and all the other things, but that, that kind of seemed a little too far out. But well, you know, it, was. it was crazy stuff. Not only does he walk on water, now Walt walks on water, you know, <laughs> but he also swims in the earth, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of uh, uh, stepped on you there, Steve. You were trying to say something. What were you trying to put out there? I was going to say, when, because obviously I, I haven't read this book before, um, as you were reading that first chapter then, and you, you were going through it, and I was, I was, my opinion on it at the start was completely different to my opinion at the end when mm. you finished. Because when you started it, reading it, it felt a little bit religious in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. So, and I, I, because I, 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 I'm quite aware of my thoughts anyway. So as, as you were reading it, I was going, 
this sounds religious. My subconscious is saying it doesn't like this. Yes. It wants to, it wants to switch off and it wants to go away. But I'm going to hang in because I know there's something good coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the process. That's the yeah. process I went through yeah. my thoughts. Yeah, I can, I can see, that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. And then at the end, it was like, wow. Yeah, that's 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 just blown the whole thing apart, hasn't it? And it's blown it apart, apart in such a way that, like you said, well, how how did they get away with with writing that back back in the 1970s? And 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 how did people? Oh, well, I suppose there were people back then that 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 were into this sort of stuff and believed this sort of thing. Um, but it was very. The majority of people were religious back then and oh, yeah. were fed. All the uh, the opposites to to what you've just read in that in that first chapter, so it would have been difficult. That's very polite, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> he's very kind-hearted. I was going to say it in a slightly different way, but I thought no, I'll, I'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it surprises me that it's actually sold that. Did it sell a lot of copies back then? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah. the copies sold, but it was very, very popular. Yeah, yeah, it, it was one of those books that it would not have gotten great reviews, and I don't remember actually yeah. what the yeah. reviews were. To be perfectly yeah. honest, yeah. Probably this terrible. is not something the mainstream would have approved. <laughs> yeah. But, but somehow through the law of attraction, millions of people found it. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. it went relatively unreported, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Well, yeah, Donald, Donald Shimoda lost his rights to the book, and he eventually had to buy them back again. Um, Donald Shimoda being Richard Bach, of course. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, being Richard Bach. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Freudian slip somewhere. <laughs> and people are wondering who the heck is Donald Shimoda because we haven't even named him yet. He's the guy who actually that little bit in the first chapter. He's the was master. He was, he was the mechanic, <laughs> the master who, yeah. Yeah. He's a master who kicked up masterhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, me, me and Walt have had, a, had the conversation previously because I've got my own opinions <laughs> on um, on the on the Bible text and things and, and how that's all all written and and the meanings of it, uh, which we've talked about before, haven't we? Um, mm, yeah. In regards to, I mean, that that story there is basically to me is is the real story of. Of Jesus Christ, yes, <laughs> to me, yeah. It's, I swear, I'll sitting. hang myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, no that's floated up on a cloud. Sorry, I forgot that part. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but, but to me, all, all Jesus Christ was doing was trying to teach people the stuff that we're teaching now. He yeah. is, he is, and it was so badly interpreted. interpreted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I'm, I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if it was clear at the time, and then uh, along along the way, it got totally, totally messed. Or if, well, I wonder how clear it was at the time. I really wonder because you know he said a lot of things. You can do more than I can do. You know, you, mm -hmm. you can achieve more than I can do. He, he's he's. Well, he said point blank, all these things that I can do, you can do also. Do, he, exactly. That was that was one of the actual verses that survived. And more, and more, yeah. And more, yeah. Yeah, I think then the the, the Roman Catholic religion, then the, I think that the Bible was really written by, or morphed into what it is now by by the religion, wasn't it? To to then oh, control. Yeah. That's my that's my that's my feeling on it anyway. Oh, I think you're right. Well, I think yeah, the history shows that. That's pretty clear. Um, I mean, they they had that. Uh, that I can't remember what the great, great conclave was. 
in the first, uh, oh, God, it was like r- roughly around the year 1000 or something like that. I can't remember exactly when it was. And they brought together, it, w- it was when, um, who was it, Constantine? One of the popes brought together all of the, uh, oh, no, it wasn't the pope. It was the Roman emperor brought together all of the, the various Christian sects into one place and had them all debate and discuss Christianity. And out of that came the formation of the Bible. They decided which uh, books were going to be included in the Bible, which books were going to be excluded. And, and yeah, that's what that whole process turned into. It was, it was, it was quite political, actually, from what I understand. <laughs> I, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you look at some of the books that were excluded. There are a couple of interesting things about them. One is that almost all of them, I think all of the books that were excluded, portray Jesus as a man. And, of course, that was, from, from the point of view of some of the, the Christians of the time, that was heresy. Jesus wasn't a man. He was God. He was Savior. You know, he was the one who'd come to save us, like the creature floating in the water above all the other creatures. <laughs> well, well creature like we can do knows. everything he can do and more, then we must be the Savior, too. Isn't that logical? No, it's just We're all scary. our own. We're all our own <laughs> Exactly. We're all our own <laughs> because that, that means we have to accept responsibility for ourselves. We can't do that. That's terrifying. <laughs> it's your fault, Walt. <laughs> it's all my fault. Yes, of course. <laughs> You're the reason I'm unhappy. You're the That's reason right. I'm. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure there'll be some comments on the on the on the feed after this goes. We're on um, sacred, sacred ground now, aren't we? In uh, touchy ground. <laughs> well, ground somebody yeah. has stepped into the Alloway <laughs> world. They're, they're moving out of that world. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is true. Yeah, this right. is true. Yeah. This yeah. is just the way it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Susie actually no, gave another long comment. I wanted to share her comment. She says, as conscious creators, we are all responsible for our illnesses, and at the same time, we are all responsible for our healing. It has come from the inside. Once you allow others, doctors, etc., to diagnose and suggest a healing path with drugs, well, there comes a time that you reach a crisis where you are at a crossroad as to staying where you are or change. I do have so much compassion with your struggle. She's talking to Shireen here. In hearing, no, you can't withdraw, you are unstable. Although it feels like you must rely on something on the outside, it appears now that your inner being is calling out to you to shift your path. So set your sights on joy every moment, every day, every waking moment, and set an intention to find joy in your subconscious state during sleep. How's that, guys? I like that. Susie, I love that. Please come on, blue jeans, and talk with us. You sound amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. Dead on. That was perfect. Beautifully said. Here's your answer, Steve. Now you know what people are actually saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, I mean, with with the the, the medication and, and depression and anti antidepressive medications, um, perfect example is is somebody very close to me. I won't mention who they are, um, mm-hmm. but they they were on medication for uh, and for, for depression for in excess of ten years, and um, mm-hmm. and they had multiple suicide attempts whilst oh. they were on the medication. And um, it, they came to a point in their life. They're still they're still alive. They're still they've now got an absolutely awesome, fantastic life. Um, fantastic. And they came to exactly the same 
point in life as was it Shireen that wrote the Shireen, Shireen? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and they, I'm not saying that she should do this, but this person decided that they were going to totally come off their meds. I'm not mm. advising that Shireen do that because you do need to take some advice depending on obviously what, what medication you take. Yeah. Um, but this person decided to come off come off those meds, and because they got to the point where they didn't feel anything anymore, they didn't have any feelings, so they didn't love the children anymore. They didn't. They, they, the children would get up on the morning. There was nothing there, no feelings, Numbed no out. thought, hmm. just completely numb. Yeah, and they got totally fed up with it, and it was a struggle coming off the medication. It was. It, I would say it was akin to to withdrawal from heroin or something like that because of the sure. the pain that Probably they went through. Equal, I watched, yeah. yeah, I watched them go through that pain, and supported them through it. Um, but after I think about three four weeks of being off those medications, they started to feel things again. It was a really emotional time for them. Hmm. But they've never looked back since because they've got mm. all those feelings back. And now they, they've, they've read similar books um, to the ones that I've read and they've worked through that stuff in real time, in the present moment, and learned to change those. Because they've not only got rid of the bad feelings, they've got rid of all the good ones as well, These the, the Mets. They've got rid of all those happy, lovely, loving feelings as well. And once he got those back, it was like Christmas every day. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's what it was like for them. So, so you know months. why it was Christmas? <laughs> because because of the contrast. Because of the contrast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going from not having any control and having all this numbness now to to having your own control and having the the, the greater clarity and the feeling and that now because of it's a huge contrast now it is. It, it, it's like celebrating Christmas every day. You're right. It's just it's just amazing. It's amazing because you've got but yes, you've the got contrast the is a teacher. <clears throat> yeah, but you've you've got the bad, you've got the bad feelings, but the good ones are so much more powerful now because you haven't contrast. felt them for so long. Mm. Yeah, right, absolutely. So you've got that all back now, and you can you, you you just end up using it to create, and the bad feelings were never actually as bad as you really thought they were. They weren't, no. Because they're, they're actually they're actually expansion points. Then then they're not bad or negative. They're just expansion right. points. And exactly. you didn't view them as that. You didn't realise they were that. But when it gets explained to you, when it gets clarified to you that any negative emotion, no matter what it is, is just an expansion point for you to get clarity on what you do want, then um, it's like, oh my God. All these things I thought were evil and bad and terrible and negative and these people are doing to me, A, I was doing to myself, and B, they're just expansion points. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And if I don't have mm -hmm. negativity, I don't expand. If I were not negativity, if I don't have contrast, I don't expand. Contrast, yeah. Um, I, I, want the, I want to clarify that difference. Um, then, you know, it's just amazing because then, you know, you're an expanding individual and you're moving forward and, and, and you're realizing that the next time you go through the shitty phase, it's an expansion place. Wow. <laughs> and then it's like... It's no longer. It's no longer It's, it's not so bad. It hasn't, has, hasn't got the power over you anymore, has it? No, like, Walter's still absolutely. struggling to understand how I enjoy being sick. <laughs> I don't struggle with it. I don't, I don't pay any attention to the struggle at all. 
It's a terrible <laughs> struggle for you, Walt. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I suppose be, being sick is um, is is your is a challenge for your immune system to improve, isn't it? <laughs> so you, you actually become healthier from being sick. You uh, you can't help but do that. Well, it's like Linda Armstrong said this past Friday. She she was dealing with a cold or something like that, and her way of expressing it was she's purging some negative stuff from her system, stuff that doesn't serve her anymore. So she's purging it out. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the way to look at it. Much more positive, much more growth-oriented. Interesting thing is I said to my brother, he had a terrible cold once. I said to him, you know, bro, the um, time before you got sick, did you have any aches and pains anywhere in your body it, Anything that was bothering you? And he looked and he said, yeah, there were things, I think. I said, now that you've got the cold, have you noticed that they've gone? <laughs> and, he, and he said, oh, no, no, no. And then he came back to me a day or two later and said, yes, you know, I've noticed that this is gone, this is gone, this is gone. I said, well, notice that when, when, the, when the flu is gone and you go back to normal, you'll notice that they've come back again. And, like, oh. and he finds me and says, yeah, this is what happened. <laughs> How the hell did you know? What, what's, what's this about? And then you start explaining that when you've got a worse vibration or, or step one focus that you're focusing on, you will that, that step one focus is so strong that it'll eliminate others, other problems, because yeah. it's, it's so dominant. And when that fades, then you'll land up with the old ones that were bothering you, so the old thoughts that you were thinking that are activated, which are causing you problems, kick in again. So it's, it's interesting because then when you start seeing that, you start seeing that you create your reality. You see that you're doing it to yourself and not somebody else, and you see that you're doing it with your thoughts. And it's, it's, it's a brilliant um, method of coming to terms with, oh, my gosh, that's how it works. That's mm. how it works. Yeah. Well, plus so I also love Oh, God, for that. That would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Self-responsibility? No, we can't handle that. <laughs> it, is, it is a tough one. We may laugh, but it is a tough one for many to deal with. Well, that's why it we laugh at it. Very, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> Laughter truly is healing for that reason. It helps us to get through the, and past the stuff that gives us the most trouble. So it, it's a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's truly a blessing. Laughter is, is truly a blessing in my belief. Um, and I love the story that you were telling, Steve, about your, uh, um, the person close to you who went through all that and was dealing with all the depression and the drugging and all that kind of thing. It reminded me of one of my favorite Joel Elston stories about a kid who came to him who was in the foster care system. He was on something like nine or ten different medications. I think he was only about, I think he had more medications than he was years old. I mean, I think he was like eight or nine, and there were like nine or ten medications. This medication, and, and then take that one to stop the side effects of this medication. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so, oh my yes. gosh, something's wrong here. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but anyway, he, he sits down in front of Joel, and Joel says to him, so no, tell me about yourself. And, and the kid says, well, I, I suffer from depression and anxiety. I'm oppositionally defiant. And he starts listing all these symptoms, and Joel says, no, no, I mean, like, tell me about yourself. I don't want to know your diseases. I've got that here. Just tell me who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and they went through this long deal where uh, basically he helped the kid work through very quickly some of the stuff that the kid was dealing with. His, his mother had – his father was gone. His mother um, had been arrested for drug possession and ended up in prison and dying in prison. 
Um, he was everywhere that he went. He was angry. He was you know, acting out in all kinds of ways. Every single foster family he was in hated to have him in the family. He was hated in school because of the way he was always acting out and blah, 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 blah. And so Joel asked him, you know, like, well, you know, so do the drugs help with all this? That's essentially what he asked him. I mean, he did it through a series of questions to get there, but he essentially asked, are the drugs helping? The kid says, no, they're not helping at all. And when the kid realized that, the light bulb went on, and he started asking questions about the drugs. Mm. And among the questions were, well, Joel actually kind of led him through this. Well, what drugs are you on? Well, I'm on this drug. Do you know what that one's for? Well, it's for depression. Okay, what's depression? That's where I feel bad. Does it make you feel better? No. Well, maybe we might want to start changing that one. <laughs> they, they, they worked through the whole thing. Within one session, by the end of that session, the kids said to Joel, I want to go talk to my psychiatrist, because the psychiatrist obviously is the one who dishes out all the drugs. Um, would you come with me? And Joel says, sure, I'd be glad to go with you. So they go to the with psychiatrist. psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, boy, he had no idea what was coming. <laughs> so first same as if I walked in front of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that one. That would be <laughs> but the poor psychiatrist is sitting there, and he sees Joel, and he says, what's this man doing here? <laughs> and the kid says, I asked him to be here. And so the psychiatrist, with his mouth hanging open, is while he's trying to figure out what the next thought is, the kid says, so why did you uh, prescribe X drug for me? And before the psychiatrist can say a word, he says, and by the way, why did you also prescribe Y and Z and A and B and C? And did you, uh, did you investigate what the interactions were between X and B and Y and A and Z? Did you, did you, did you explain, did, did you calculate, how, what were the calculations you went into? I mean, he was just hammering all these, all these questions. And the psychiatrist was going, uh, 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 I mean, he just, he could hardly get a word in edgewise with this eight-year-old who was basically dominating the conversation. And once again, the psychiatrist turned to Joel and said, what are you doing here? He couldn't, <laughs> He couldn't figure out how to handle the situation. Bottom line is, the kid fired the psychiatrist on the spot and said, Joel, will you help me get another psychiatrist who can help me get off these drugs? And the long story short is that over the course of the next, I think it was about a next month or so, uh, they did get him a new psychiatrist. The new psychiatrist got him down from 10 drugs to one. And the one was just something that he would take occasionally if he needed a little help with his ADHD. All because the kid recognized that he was in control of his own life, that he was responsible for everything that had happened, that he understood the role he had played, and that he understood his power. And his power was immense. An eight-year-old learning that. Oh, God. Louis, Steve, I only wish I had known that when I was eight years old. Yeah. Wow. So do I. So do I, absolutely. Louis, if you think about it, what the, the start of that conversation with that eight-year-old boy and Joel before they went to see the psychiatrist. That conversation that they had, he asked him to tell him about himself. And all he did was use all the labels that he'd been given by his psychiatrist. Focused on what he He was living and acting out all those labels because that's who he believed he was. And it's, it's, again, it's all about this belief, isn't it? And, and yeah. at that age, a child at that age just absorbs, absorbs, absorbs. So you're, you're giving this person, this young person, all these these labels about how they are or should behave and do behave and will behave and they've got to, they, they just think, well, that's how, what I'm supposed to do because I've been told I am that way. No, it isn't. You can decide to be and behave the way that you want to, whether that be good or bad. 
completely outside society's norms too. Oh God, no! I can't have society's norms in there. <laughs> no, 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 we don't do that here anymore. No, no, normal. What is normal? How how do we define normal? How's that work? I, I, I don't Almost like whatever work. I want. Exactly. Because <laughs> when I start looking at normal from the society's point of view, I say to myself, I want to stay away from that one. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want that normal. <laughs> we have five minutes left. Well, I just wanted to let you know. Yes, actually. Well, well, we started a few minutes late, so we actually have about seven minutes left. But you're right, we're running near the end here. But that's okay. This is good. This this is fitting in beautifully with what Richard teaches in that first chapter of Illusions, that almost scriptural-like writing that he did there. And it, it just really shows the power of just realizing who we are and what power we have and it, accepting the power. I think it's probably the hardest part, accepting that we have power. I mean, the creatures on the on the water, the creatures that were clinging at the bottom of the, the of the stream, they they had no belief they had power. Hmm. And the creature who was floating above, the only power he had was the power of letting go. <laughs> that was his power, but it was enough. It was plenty letting of power. Letting go, that's right. Letting go. It was yeah. plenty of power, <clears throat> huge power. You know, so not only do we not realize we have power, but when we do realize it, we dismiss it as being small. <laughs> but but. You know what we've been taught, Walt? We've been taught that you, there's this thing called God that's outside of you that is perfect yes. and that we mm. should strive to be like this thing outside of us that's perfect. Yeah. And that is just such a flawed premise that <clears throat> you don't know where to begin with it, but, you know, it's, 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 it's where a lot of people are still at. A huge percentage of people are still at the idea because oh, yeah. it's taught in Orthodox religions. That there's something outside of you that you've got to strive for and that you're evil and bad and you've done wrong things and all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, sometimes I, I, I'm quite in awe about how they created this whole structure to bamboozle mankind. You know? <laughs> it's just, wow, who thought of this stuff? <laughs> how did they get that? It was a team effort. <laughs> How did they get away with that? It was it's, it's, it's been ingrained into into society for so many so centuries, much. hasn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still even taught in, in schools in the UK now, isn't it? It's, it, it all the schools are still um, Church of England schools or Roman Catholic schools or whatever, and they've all got that element where they have an assembly, they 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 pray to God, they still teach things out of the Bible in schools now, even though. Everybody's moving away from that. So why is it still happening? That's, that's one of my questions. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, well, Steve, the, the, the interesting thing is you create your own reality, yeah? And your reality is now moving away from it. So you're going to draw like-minded people to you. And you're going to think that the, most of the population of the planet is moving away from it because of your what you see is happening in your life. But there's that guy who's completely stuck in it. He only sees that, and he's only creating more people like that. And he's, you know, and that's just the way it is. So it, it, it's important for you to understand that you're creating your own reality, and it'll seem to you that everybody's changing, but it's not. It's because you've changed, and you're drawing the changing type of people to you. Well, so that makes sense. That does make sense, yeah. 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 It's great because we, we teach our, our kids. Um, we're running out of time, aren't we? We, we, we teach our kids to question everything. Mm. So we don't tell them what to believe. They can believe what they wish to believe. Um, this is one good thing about parenting. Using Have you got kids? The, Sorry, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two twin girls and a boy. Um, so they, we, we teach them 
to question everything and then make up their own minds, even question the things that we teach them, because we might not Good. be right. Good. And that is such an awesome thing to give a child, and so much power to Absolutely. give them that they can then go off and, and decide what's right and what's what's what, what they want to believe and what they want to get out of it. And um, my son's a perfect example of it. He um, he went to school one day, and um, they were in religious education classes, and they were learning about the Bible, and it was how the the earth. The, um, I can't. I don't really read the Bible, but the, how the earth was created in so many days. Yeah, um, man was created. Genesis. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, that was it. Genesis. <clears> yeah. So they were learning about that, and my son put his hand up and said, um, "Excuse me." He said, "How can that be true?" If dinosaurs are um, so many million years oh, old, God. they were <laughs> way before man. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's so flawed, and I've I've had this conversation many times, and it's. <laughs> but for my, my nine-year-old, sorry, carbon dating is wrong, and it's not scientific. <laughs> <laughs> but but he needs to have the confidence to to put his hand up in class and and question it. I thought it was fantastic. And yes, the that's, teacher, that's fantastic. The teacher didn't know how to respond to that, just did not know how to respond to it because they'd never had it before. Whereas every, all the other, you know, most people just accept what they're told by the teacher. And, I, and he's done that all the way through his schooling. And so have, so have my twin girls as well. And they get so much more respect from being like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because, because they're, they're questioning things. And they learn so much more as well of about course, the different, yeah. the different, aspects and different perspectives so it's it's it, it, i think the schooling system needs to change that's another thing that i'm going to work on later on uh after i've got all this churchy stuff out of the way but yeah <laughs> well well Walt, Walt knows a great system of schooling and um yes he, he'll talk about it for hours he says <laughs> i can i can he already has he already spoke to me about it for hours yeah yeah <laughs> but the basic <laughs> philosophy of that schooling is very very simple it's just Help the guys do what they want. Yeah, exactly. And, that's how it's it. It's trusting kids, that, which is hard for many parents. It's hard for their parents to trust the kids, to trust that they're going to learn. That That's probably the source of most of what you're talking about there, Steve, about the, the state of the current school system. Because the state of the current school system is driven by you know, the majority of the parents. That's exactly what, what they were asking for. They, it may not be what they were hoping for, but it was what they were asking for inadvertently. And it's what they produced. And, and until they are willing to shift their minds, they're going to continue to get that. The beauty of it is the moment they shift their minds and the moment that the kids actually start to learn to take control of their own lives is the moment when the whole thing starts to shift anyway. That's the beauty of it. Because then you, know, you can have all the laws in place you want. They're going to fall by the wayside. The law of attraction simply going to find ways around them, like water going through rocks. It's just going to be that simple. So. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I wanted to anyway. say, uh, say Elizabeth, um, you're most welcome, and as well as Susie, you're most welcome. Um, we Absolutely. enjoy the show too. <laughs> I love Elizabeth's comment. She says, thank you so much for today's session. You've answered many questions running through my mind over the weekend. Now, there's law of attraction in action. Absolutely. That's LOA. Mm -hmm. And there we are answering questions. <laughs> we didn't even know we were answering them. How wonderful is that? <laughs> uh, just I'm a quick reminder. Absolutely. If you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, please become one. Just go to LOAToday.net. You'll find a nice big link there to click on, and it'll walk you right through the process, then share the fact that you're listening after the fact. Gentlemen, this has been great. I like this new schedule already because look at the fabulous discussion we had. And we just done Chapter 1. We get to do Chapter 2 next week. How cool is that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the book and start reading it. 
There you go. You won't regret it. You'll buy 20 copies and then you'll be happy because you want to give them to everybody. <laughs> Take care, guys. Carpe diem. Nice to see you. Have a great nice one. Likewise, Take care. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.